Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. We are still in the book of Acts, chapter 10 this morning. If you have your Bible, want to turn there or open your Bible app. Our Wednesday night, we have one more, one more. If I had any more than one more, there would be a complete mutiny on me. I'm just telling you. But I thank you, Wednesday night goers, for sticking with it. That's what it means to be the family of God together, even through the things we don't always like, and we're still doing it together. They just have not liked my study on the book of Acts. (laughs) Oh, but we have a good Wednesday night together. We do have a good Wednesday night together. (laughs) We do. Oh, so if you, if you've not joined us, please consider joining us. Forget about the study, whether it's good or bad. We just have good fellowship when we're together. So I I will attest to that this morning. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants, and he told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Lord, this is your word. Let it speak today as your message is for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is sort of the next step of everything. If you'll remember back early on in the book of Acts, Jesus said, and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. He said, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You gotta love it when a plan comes together. I feel like too many times we put plans together and it just kind of falls apart, right? And uh, so I like when the plan comes together. But So you see, as we're reading through this today, realize Cornelius is a key player in that last part of the plan and to the ends of the earth. Who is he? Well, first of all, he was a Gentile. Let's just get that right out there. He was a Gentile. He was not a Jewish believer. He's a Roman centurion. Now, to understand what that means, uh, the army would have been, uh, you had what's called a legion, which would have had approximately 6,000 men in it, and then that would be broken down into 10 different cohorts, which is 600 each, and then a century is going to be a group of 100 men. So he is the captain over 100 men, Okay. And that's important because the centurions were the backbone of the army. In fact, this is what is said about centurions when I was doing my studies. It said centurions are desired, listen to this, not to be 
overbold and reckless so much as good leaders of steady and prudent mind, not prone to take the offensive, to start fighting wantonly, but able when overwhelmed and hard-pressed to stand fast and die at the post. So Cornelius was a man who first and foremost knew what courage and loyalty were. So I would think that's a pretty good place to start with carrying the good news to a man of such courage and bravery. And he understood what that would mean. Now it also told us in what I just read that he was a devout, God-fearing man. So that would actually indicate for the Gentiles, there were Gentile believers who believed in God. And, and actually, they were just weary. They're like, you know, we don't, we don't trust, we don't believe in the faith of our fathers, which would have been religions of many gods, right? And they would have given up the faith of their ancestors to follow the Jewish faith to a certain point. This would mean he did not completely convert and be circumcised. He did not completely follow the strict code of the Jewish law, but he was still faithful to God. He would have attended synagogues to hear the message of the word, right? He, he believed in the one true God of Abraham. And he had a pure love for the ethic of the Jewish religion. So he's a God-fearing man in all aspects of the day. Cornelius was a man seeking God. That is so important. When we are praying for our family and our loved ones and our friends, you know, so many times we, we want to pray everything for them not to do or God, remove this. But do you know the most important prayer you can pray? Lord, I want to see them seek you wholeheartedly. Because when they're seeking God, then God can speak to them. When they're seeking God, then God can change all those things that disturb us. <laughs> but they have to be seeking the one true God of Abraham first. Cornelius was that. He was seeking. He loved God to the point that, you know, when it talked about um, this vision happening at 3 o'clock, he was probably doing his afternoon prayers, right? When God came to him in this vision. Now let's look on verse 9, Peter's side of this story. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, so Cornelius, remember, he got his vision. He sent his people, go get this Peter guy. Let's go get Peter and see what God has to say. And as they're nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. And it was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. That's pretty good, because I just fall into a lot of hangry on my half, right? <laughs> so you got to be seeking God to fall into the trance. It says, he saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. 
I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, and then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. So up to this point, as we've been studying through the book of Acts, sharing the gospel has been pretty clear-cut for the most part. Peter found opportunity after the Spirit came and filled them. He went out, he preached a message, thousands came to believe, right? Philip found opportunity when he got scattered, uh, when they were the persecution started, he went to Samaria and he thought, here I am, I'm going to share the gospel. He did, he followed what God asked him to do and obeyed when he went to the eunuch. We talked about that a little bit Wednesday night of, of how God told him to just go be near the Ethiopian eunuch. And so when he found opportunity, he made conversation and he led him to Christ. Ananias. Now he was a little bit more iffy on his call, was he not? We talked about that last week and how scared he was to go approach Saul because Saul's reputation preceded him. But he obeyed and he went. But what's different today Before this encounter, before what we're reading about today, this encounter which would bring Cornelius, thus opening the gate for all Gentiles so that the gospel could be sent out to the ends of the earth, Peter had to be taught a lesson before this could happen. Think about that for just a moment. Peter had to be taught... Wait, Peter, who was there and watched everything Jesus did? Yep, that Peter. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, but he was completely redeemed and restored from that? That Peter. Peter, who was full of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? That Peter. Peter, who had already led thousands to Jesus... That Peter, that Peter still had to learn something from the Lord that day before he could go forth with this message. You know, strict Jews would have believed that the Gentiles were to be avoided, that God had no use for them. Okay, so when you go back and you look at the Jewish view of the Gentiles, they had no part in God's plan. Like, it was so bad, there would have been a saying that when a Gentile woman, if she was having uh, troubles while birthing a baby, don't send nobody to help her because we don't need any more of those Gentiles born anyway. Mm. We still have things like that today when we think of people. You see, Peter had to unlearn some things that he had been taught church. These were taught to him by the religious system, by the way. This is what he would have been taught as a good Jewish man to think about the Gentiles. And so, you know, I think 
if we look back at how Jesus taught and spoke to the disciples, he was always clear that his message was going to be to all nations. And it's okay for us to, to accept that thought, but sometimes God puts us in a position and say, but to them? But to them? Is that not the same issue that Jonah had when God was going to send him to Nineveh? But to them, Lord? And so Peter had to have this moment where God was teaching him, yes, to them. And I believe God was already working on Peter. This was not just a all of a sudden message. I do not believe. I think God sometimes will begin a work and get you ready for that really big hard message. And the reason I think this is because it tells us where was he staying? He was staying with Simon who was a tanner who lived by the seashore. Okay, you got to understand, a tanner who tans hides is going to be touching dead animals all day. And by Jewish law, that would have made him unclean every single day. That's why he lived out by the seashore. They usually lived outside of town because they're going to be considered unclean. And yet we find Peter already living there. So we see that there's already a work being done in Peter to understand that we don't have to hold so strict to all these laws. Like they have their place and we, we could do a whole series on laws. But God's already working in him. So, you know, I used to love this because I thought this passage was all about I can eat bacon now. Let's eat bacon. I don't know about that reptile stuff. I don't know how that even fits in there. I'm, who's ate a snake? Okay, I know somebody. I'm looking at Montana. I know you chase them. Do you eat them? Is alligator a reptile? Okay, I've ate reptile. Okay. I've ate turtle. Turtle's a reptile, right? Okay, I have. Thank goodness, I've had turtle and it's pretty good. So there you go. I used to think as an early Christian that that's what this was about and it has everything and nothing to do with food. Because it was about people. It was about people. It was about the things that keep us separated from people. So in this vision, God tells Peter, eat from these animals which are on the unclean list in all those rules back in Leviticus. And Peter said, no way, Lord. I've never ate any of that. And you know, you eat bacon, you ain't going back, right? But verse 15, God said, do not call it unclean if I have cleansed it. The vision was repeated three times to Peter to make sure that he understood. I've always said, if anything, a message, a scripture is repeated to me in three different ways, it's a confirmation for me. Like God is speaking. When I hear a a scripture and then all of a sudden I come and then Diane says, Hey, BJ, let me share with you what was in my devotion. And it's the same scripture. And then I open up a podcast or I open up something else, a a devotion for the day, and it's the same scripture. Shelly Spade, how many times did God open up Jonah to you? So, you know, three times 
I, you know, on two, I start perking up. <laughs> and on three, I start meditating. Doesn't mean I always understand exactly. Because didn't it say that's what Peter, he was having to puzzle over this vision. What does this mean? So when you start hearing things repeated in your life, please take the time to meditate and ask the Lord, what does this mean? Now, there's this other thing, though, about three times, because I've also heard that it takes three times to tell your guy something and he's going to remember it. (laughs) I just had to go there, ladies. I'm so sorry. But (laughs) is it true? (laughs) It is true. It is true. So as Peter is trying to ponder this, the men from Cornelius arrive. And that's how I love how God works, by the way. Let Let me tell you, folks, there was a lot of people at this jar this morning. And we don't see God moving sometimes. And while Peter is contemplating what God is speaking to him, he's already moving in Cornelius to bring it all together. So don't give up those prayers. Because God can be moving and us never know until it all comes together. And we don't know if today's that day, if tomorrow's that day or the next day. Don't give up those prayers. So verse 22, skip down just a little bit. So the the men show up, right? And and Peter, he's a little puzzled of what's going on. And they show up and said, hey, you're the one we're looking for. And they say, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. And he's a devout, God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A, A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, whoa, stand up. I'm human being just like you are. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. And Peter told them, you know it's against our our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for Now tell me why you sent for me. So already we're seeing this change happen, by the way. Because Peter allowed these men, these Gentile men who show up and knock on his door to come in his house. And when he gets to Cornelius' house, he enters his house. That would have been a big moment. Understand this from a Jewish concept. This would have been a... I I can't help but see our Peter from the chosen. Chosen people, can you see this scene play out? I can see our little meek Peter who always wants to be a rule keeper and let's go stand at that door for just a moment to contemplate what's fixing to happen. And then he steps over that threshold and sits down with Cornelius. And everything changes. I'm going to write that scene and I'll send it to Dallas Jenkins and and let's hope they carry on through the book of Acts. That's what I'm hoping for, right? 
No, we're just hoping for season three at this point, right? There you go. So this would have been a huge moment just to cross the thresholds. But we understand that Peter gets it. He says, you know it's against our laws for me to come in your house. But God has shown me. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as unpure or unclean. Peter learned his lesson. And his vision was not just about food. It was about people. Now, verse 33, because the thing about how Luke writes, man, he wants to make sure you get it. And so when he's writing the story, he likes to repeat and repeat and repeat What happened? Well, let me just tell you. What happened? Let me just tell you, you know. I don't know if that's my ADD brain or what, but I would be like, okay, just skip and get to the point, okay, right? But verse 33, so I sent for you at once. This is is Cornelius. He said, now, we're all here. Remember, he's asked his family to come. He's asked friends to come. He don't know what this message is, by the way. He's just a God-fearing man, right? They've gathered. He said, now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Church, what was the message? The message was Jesus Christ. Cornelius was a God-fearing man, but he was just hearing for the first time the good news of Jesus Christ, which makes all the difference. I couldn't help but ponder this thought because I kept hearing that phrase, God-fearing man, God. I can't help but think about people who say, I'm I'm good, I believe in God. You know, if, if you ask somebody, you know, how is it with you and the Lord? How's your relationship? I'm good, I believe in God, Right? Or, or like Cornelius, maybe, maybe you've heard him say, I'm a God-fearing person. I, I do good things. I give money. I help things. I help people. I'm, I'm a good person. But he needed the other piece of the puzzle. Right? If that's enough, he would not need the message Peter had. What's the message Peter had? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through Him. That is the message we see over and over as we're reading through the book of Acts. Every time Peter steps up to preach, it's the same message. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. He lived on this earth. He died on a cross. He was buried, but He rose three days later, and He's ascended into heaven now with the Father. And we have the Holy Spirit. And the message would have been, repent, right? we got to believe in Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized. The message. I'm, I'm thinking I'm overworking myself each week because Peter just stepped up and gave that one message. 
You know, sometimes uh, uh, when, when you have a pastor, well, like RDS, bless his heart, I love him to death, but as he travels around uh, and visits the churches, he'll be here in November with us, and uh, I know the truth. They have one, maybe two message, and they just keep repeating it because... You ain't heard what he told Waldron, right? You know, and sometimes I get jealous of that, you know, when you got a traveling pastor and they, they just need that one message. And then I thought, we've all got that one message. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. You can be a God-fearing, love-the-Lord person, but if you've never bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, today's the day. Today's the day. Because everything I read about Cornelius, he was a good man. But God said, you need this message. You need Jesus Christ. And then my thought was, if it wasn't enough for Cornelius to be a God-fearing man, why do we think it's enough for us? Why do we think it's enough for us? Let's look at verse 34, 36. So, so then Peter replied, he said, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through who? Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Aren't we glad that God does not show favoritism? It means that if you were born and raised in the church and, and, and mama grew you up in the church, you still need Jesus and it's offered to you. It means if you wasn't born in the church and you've been out living in the world, you still need Jesus and it's offered to you. It means if, if we raise our kiddos in the church and they stray, they still need Jesus and it's offered to them. God does not show favoritism. That means anyone who fears the Lord. This is not a trembling and, and fear as we think of it. This is a, a reverent respect of understanding who God is. God the creator who created the universe. Who created each of us sitting here today. When we understand that and we understand who he is, then I've got to drop to my knee. And I've got to show everything to him. Like when I talk about, do you believe in Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? Yeah, I do. I'm not talking about, do you come on Sunday morning? I want you on Sunday morning. Because on Sunday morning, that's where we gather as believers. That's where we pray together. That's where we're doing life together. And we connect and we try to shore up each other. But I want to know that you are wholeheartedly following Jesus. That your whole life is about Him. That there is not one single decision you make that doesn't filter through the Holy Spirit first. No matter how big or how small. And then Peter shares that message of Jesus, the life, the death, the resurrection. Verse 42. And he ordered us, talking about Jesus to the disciples, he ordered us to preach 
everywhere to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. You see, that's the problem with the concept, I'm good. I believe in God. Jesus is the one judging you. Do you know Jesus Christ? Because he's the one appointed to judge. He's the one all the prophets testified about. Now, this would have spoke to Cornelius because, again, Cornelius, he followed the Jewish religion. He just had not completely converted, right? So he would have followed. He would have known what's been taught in the synagogues about the coming Messiah. He's the one prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Like always, Peter just gives a clear gospel presentation. And then in verse 44, it says that the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. So all of the family, the friends that had gathered with Cornelius, the Holy Spirit fell. And then later in verse 48, it says that he ordered for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Now the message has went out to the Gentiles. This was going to start changing how church looked. This was going to start changing things to the point it, it gets messy later on, right? And when Peter gets back to Jerusalem, it hits the fan. Like those Jewish believers back in Jerusalem have already heard what happened down there, right? And they're not real happy about it. Peter, you're a better Jew than that. You know we don't go into a Gentile house and you ate with them. Which means you ate their bacon. Yup, and it was good. (laughs) It was real good. Like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to us, guys. I'm just telling you. Right? They're upset because he has broken tradition like never before. And Peter begins to just, again, Luke likes to retell things. He just begins to lay out, this is what happened. He tells them about how God had spoke to Cornelius. He showed up at my door, so I go to his door because God had done told me I can't call anybody unclean. And so I went. I gave them the message of Jesus Christ. They believed it. They fell on their knees. They were filled with the Holy Spirit just like you and I were in that upper room. And I love that it said when they heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They knew. They knew they too had been wrong about what they thought was right, right? Gentiles, by the way, again, that's you and me. (laughs) That's us. Without this story we wouldn't be sitting here today. We might be following a different religion, the faith of our fathers, right? You and me and anyone else that seemed questionable, 
now have the privilege. I love the way it says that. They have the, the privilege of repenting. Verse, uh, let's see, chapter 11, verse 18, when the others heard this, they stopped objecting, began praising God, and then they said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Amen? Can I get an amen? Because that privilege is still here today. Church, this is the pivotal moment in God's history where it's now outside the Jewish faith. When God said, go into all nations, into all nations, making disciples. But church like Peter, we've got to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Teaching us if we want to continue to reach people for Christ, there's going to be some thresholds we have to step over. There's going to be some people we have to invite into our homes. And we have to Believe that God knows what's going on. And when God sends us, then don't judge them. Don't judge them. I think today, you know, I I struggled with how to end this sermon today. Because I have some of my own personal things that this sermon spoke to today. and, And sometimes as the pastor, it's hard to separate what God is working in my head to just give you a message and let God work in you. And so I struggled a little bit, and I kind of just narrowed it down today. And I, I don't know, uh, maybe some of you, maybe maybe you're a Cornelius today. I, I believe in God. I'm a God-fearing person. But do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you ever bowed your knee and said, yes, Lord, I need forgiveness? Because, see, when we're raised in the church, we're raised as good God-fearing people. But even if you've been raised in the church your entire life, you still need to bow a knee and say yes to Jesus Christ. Mama's faith don't count for you. Grandma's faith don't count for you. And I don't care how old you are sitting in these seats this morning. You still need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So maybe, maybe that spoke to you this morning, Cornelius. Maybe, maybe this morning it's Peter's story. Peter who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter who if he stepped on this stage, I know we would have a flock coming to these altars because he was so anointed with God's message. Peter who ate with Jesus Christ, who knew Jesus like none of us know him quite. And he still had to learn something new. Are you a Peter this morning? Because see, the moment we stop learning is the moment God can't use us anymore. We're always learning. Are you an upset Jew this morning? I'm like, oh, she's just going crazy this morning. I don't know what she... mm." You know, there's a a term used today that has a very negative effect, but I promise you, if they'd have had it back then, it would be in the Bible today. Those Jews in Jerusalem would have said, that Peter's just too woke. 
Doesn't it fit? Because that was revolutionary for them back then, right? That would have been a scandalous thing of, woo. Okay, like God is good and Jesus is good. and Now you just took it too far though, right? So see, maybe, maybe we need to be careful that we're not like these Jews that we get so upset when it looks different for us that God can't use us. But I want to be like these Jews because they understood the moment they heard the testimony of what happened, they understood God happened. That the Lord had showed up. The Lord had showed up. Stand with me this morning, church. I am so thankful for this piece of history because it allowed us the privilege to be here today. It allows you the privilege to come to these altars. I know sometimes when we we come up here and we drop our rock in, I know, because I know what my rock is today. This is for somebody else maybe that you're praying for. I want you to take a moment for you now. And I want you to take a moment of, God, I need you to work in my life. God, I'm not following you wholeheartedly. Like, God, I'm so self-centered. I just want to be, I just want to be happy. That's what the world keeps telling me. I just want to be happy, Lord. And, and happy does not equal following Jesus. Happy equals something good happened today. And happiness can end in a heartbeat. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. Jason, I I don't, whatever music you want to throw on. I just want to take a moment for you to reflect on how this message hit you. Again, I know how it hits me this morning. And it was such a personal message. I didn't even want to share it today. um, I just want the spirit now to work in each of you. Are you a Cornelius? Are you a Peter? Are you a Jew? Are you a Gentile who is just ecstatic that we get the privilege today? Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I know that you're the same yesterday, today, and always. And as I sang that song this morning, the goodness of God, I tried to remember, Lord, even in the middle of storms, you are still good. You are still the same God. You still have the same will and the same purpose that none should perish. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit work in this room today. And those people in our lives and around us in this world that we have called unclean today, we no longer judge. Because they need the gospel. They need Jesus Christ. And may we be open to that, just as Peter was. Even even when you ask us things that don't make sense. No, Lord, I've never eaten of that, but Lord... I understand what you're saying. And may we be willing to open our doors to those that we wouldn't have before. May we be willing to step across the threshold 
into situations that we thought would be too unclean just so we can show the love of Christ. The song reminds me though, Lord, I need you to do that. I can't do it on my own. So I pray for every person in this room too, the, the trials they are facing, Lord, that feel so heavy this morning. We lay them at your feet. We're going to trust in you that you're working, Lord. Families that we know are grieving today, Lord, would you just send your spirit to them now to shore them up, Lord, in a time of grief. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said together, amen. Church family, have a beautiful day. Go be a blessing because you've been blessed today. Have a great Sunday. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.